Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We're in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 126 of the show, and we want to give a great big hug and squeeze and a huge thank you to all of our super awesome listener supporters. You all have made a huge difference in the production of Sorta Awesome in 2017, and we are so thankful for every single one of you. Now, for all of you awesomes, if what we do here at Sorta Awesome, sharing our stories and our goofy confessions, all of our awesomes of the week, building our awesome community, if any of that has made a difference in your life in 2017, we would love to have you join our community of listener supporters. Don't forget that one of the perks of becoming a listener supporter of the show is occasional early access to episodes, as well as being able to listen to all of the episodes that we have released for our supporters in this past year. To find out how to become a supporter, you can go to sortaawesomeshow.com slash support. This is episode 126, and it is the very last episode of Sorta Awesome for 2017. Now, you all know I am always so giddy and so excited about these year-end episodes. I love end-of-the-year lists, and I also absolutely love to get together with all Three of my smart and hilarious and thoughtful co-hosts when we do these group shows. So yes, that means I have here with me the big sister that we all wish we had, the lovely Kelly Gordon. Hello, Kelly. Hey, Meg. Hey, awesomes. I also have smart and savvy Rebecca Hoffer of SimplyRebecca.com. Hello, Rebecca. Hello. And everyone's favorite Hollywood housewife and the host of the Smartest Person in the Room podcast, Laura Tremaine. Hi, Laura. Hi, everybody. So we are going to spend today talking about our favorites from the year in listening, reading, and watching, as well as we're going to talk a little bit about some of our favorite episodes of Sorta Awesome from the past year. We're going to get to all of that in a minute, but first, we're going to start the show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week, but in the spirit of reflecting back on 2017, we are each going to revisit one of our Awesomes of the Week from this year and talk about which ones have held up, which ones are still awesome for us that have been awesome throughout the whole year of 2017. Kelly, why don't you kick us off with that? What is your awesome of the year from the past year? 
Okay, well, I'm going to tell you my awesome of the year in just a second, but I have to at least give a shout out to the awesome community itself, because I feel like if they were able to choose one of my awesomes of the year that they would like to vote awesome of 2017, it would be the salted caramel oatmeal cookies. Oh my gosh, how many lives have been changed, Kelly, (laughs) (laughs) by you sharing that recipe? I cannot even believe it. You guys, if you have not made these cookies yet, I will testify on behalf of the awesomes. They are amazing. They're oatmeal cookies. They have these little caramel bits. Then you sprinkle salt on top. They're really nothing all that special. And I have said on the show before, I'm not even a cookie person, but these cookies are amazing. So I will say that has to be really close to the top of the list for the awesome community. But for myself, my own personal favorite awesome of the year is really something that I think has just changed part of who I am. You know, it's really changed my life and will then, of course, impact me forever because it's changed trajectories, is a podcast slash website called Blue Babies Pink. Mm. So, So good. I talked about it way back earlier in the year. It was episode 91 when we talked about happiness habits. But it is both, like I said, a podcast and a website written by a gentleman who grew up in the South named Brett Trapp. He kept a secret journal of thoughts about being gay and Christian. He grew up very, very conservative. His father was a pastor. It's really his coming out story, his grappling with his sexuality and what does this mean for me and what does it mean for my family and how much can I live alone? So he decided a little bit more than a year ago to start sharing this on the internet, (laughs) probably at the time not realizing how many people it would reach, right? He was just mostly sharing it with friends, thinking the ones that I haven't been able to tell personally, I will share my story kind of day by day, chapter by chapter. It's 44 episodes. It is so deeply moving and meaningful. His story is so compelling. I haven't talked to a single person who has read it who hasn't come away very, very moved. Plus, he's just really funny. I adore him. I've been following him on social media ever since. Just as a person, I really love who he is. So that has to be my awesome of the year, Blue Baby's Pink. You know, I talked to people who've listened to it. I did not. I read it online because I didn't have the patience. I wanted to just, you know, I was just forging through. But it really did. Uh It changed so much about my view of the world. What did it change for you? I mean, was it the first time you'd heard a story like this? Did it change the way you felt about, I don't know. I mean, I guess I want to know what the change is. I think because it's so deeply personal, introspective, and in some ways complete too. You know, I mean, I have gay friends, but on different levels will they share their story. This is everything from like your very earliest moments, my family relationship. So, you know, he talks about his relationship with his parents, whether this is a part of his story of being gay or not. You're like, you really get a feel for the whole person of who Brett is and how this plays into him. Plus, I think that for him, he really tried to do, if I may be just really blunt, what many Christians will say is the thing to do. If you are gay, you have same-sex attraction, and you want to be a Christian, you need to be celibate and be alone. And it lays out very clearly what that did to him and what he grappled with as a result of that. He's so sincere, really, really, really trying to be true to himself, true to his church, true to his family. It's just a very compelling story. So I feel like because it was just told so eloquently with humor, with grace, that it captivated me like nothing else. 
Yeah, cool. So good. And he really is a lot of fun to follow on social media, too. I started following him as well. He's so much fun. Okay, Rebecca, awesome of the year for you. My awesome of the year are organic muslin swaddle blankets from Modern Burlap. Yes, I remember clearly you talking about this, (laughs) our conversation about it. You can find them at modernburlap.com. They're these really big, nice size swaddle blankets that have just a very modern type of pattern on them. Lots of different options to pick from. I have one for Isaac that says, for this child, I have prayed. And that just so wraps up just everything. I mean, obviously, I pray for like all my kids. So it's not, but it just. (laughs) No, just Isaac. (laughs) No, just Isaac. He's the only one. But I just feel like it just really is a good example of the story, Isaac's story from before he was even born. And I had a lot of fear in his pregnancy and just how I really tried hard to conquer all that. It was an amazing swaddle blanket. I absolutely loved it. He's well beyond swaddling now at this point, and I've used it occasionally as a nursing cover, just a nice lightweight blanket. I have plans to put it up on the wall in his room. They just make really excellent gifts, and I've heard from Awesomes again and again that they have made purchases at modernburlap.com, and it just is a fantastic, fantastic baby gift. So, It has meant a lot to me this past year, Isaac's first year, and so that is why it is my awesome of the year. Love that. I remember we had some questions about your thing about hanging blankets on the wall in dorm rooms and stuff. I was going to ask, is this the blanket that's (laughs) supposed to go on the dorm room wall? (laughs) We had question marks, but you know what, Rebecca, so many awesomes came forward and I was like, that's totally a thing. Leave Rebecca alone. I did that in college. So... I'm hopeful that Isaac will someday have that hanging on his wall. Yes. Well, they have one that's a map of like a globe. And it's just, it really is very beautiful. I love it. I want it on my wall. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So good. Okay, Laura, awesome of the year for you. I can't wait to hear. Well, both of those were a little bit more high-minded than mine because mine is something that the Awesomes in the Hangout group have really been mad at me for bringing to the table. (laughs) Oh, yes. It's the wood puzzle game. It's an app. That stupid wood puzzle Mm. game. I'm mad at you. Yeah, that's what it's called, right? The dadgum wood puzzle game. (laughs) The dadgum wood puzzle game is my awesome of the year. So if you missed the episode where I talked about it, it was my awesome of the week on our group show back in August, episode 110, called Sorry Not Sorry, which really is appropriate. (laughs) highly appropriate actually it's an app like a game app on your phone it's free it is very very simple it is like the simplest of games you're basically just trying to make these little squares into a row or a column it's kind of like the most basic version of tetris i don't know what it is about this very simple game that is addictive to your brain. You cannot put it down. <laughs> yeah, I think it's changed a lot of lives, maybe not for the better. <laughs> I know people have been like, I, I had have. to take it off my phone. Like people get really mad about it. People get very competitive about the score. I just want to say now that my high score is 23,000. Nice. Nice. Which is really <gasps> high for this game. I'm sure it is. <laughs> It's not 
as huge a time waster for me as it appears on the surface because I do it while I'm doing something else. So for some reason, I don't know if this is like the ADD we've all developed as adults because of the internet, but it helps me when I'm listening to something, namely a podcast, to be doing something else with my hands or with my eyes, with my brain. And so when I'm on an airplane or if I'm sometimes just at night instead of like watching anything or reading, if I'm laying there listening to a podcast, I will play this game. So I end up playing for like an hour at a time. But I don't know why people are so mad that I brought it up. (laughs) It is addictive, but like in some ways it's helpful. That's why it's my awesome, to be honest with you. I feel like it has helped me concentrate and I've listened to more things because of Wood Puzzle. Everybody go get it. Yeah, I mean, talk about it has made an impact on the lives of people. I'm terrified to even try it. I have literally not even looked it up in the app store because this sounds like the kind of thing that I would wreck my own life with. So definitely not a good (laughs) choice for me. So love it. So good. Well, you guys, I had almost 50 awesomes of the week to choose from. It's a lot. lot. This is the dilemma I find myself in every single year when we do these year-end shows and we kind of revisit. I'm always like, oh my gosh, I had so many awesomes that I shared. So I'm going to kind of combine two because you all may know or have felt the impact that 2017 has been a little bit of a tough year. It's been a little tumultuous. Whatever do you mean? I think that last year I described 2016 as a little yep. bit of a cluster. And then... <laughs> and I was like, I think we haven't gotten off we that have train. not. 2017 came along and really topped it. So I'm going to kind of combine a couple of my awesomes that have helped me to really find and embrace being chilled out just in my personal life around the house. One of them being, you all may remember, way back at the beginning of the year, back in episode 85 which was when I welcomed Meredith Schwartz from Penelope Loves List. That was such a great episode. Welcome her to the show. My awesome of the week for that episode was the Calma Mama Herbal Essence Drops. And I have continued to use and love those all throughout the year. She has one that is specifically like the herbal essence blend that she started with. Just as a reminder, this is like an herbal remedy. It's not really a supplement. It uses botanicals to kind of support your nervous system and those types of things. So The one that she started her company with were the Calm Drops. I love those. They really do help just kind of take the edge off of things. I also discovered her Focus Drops, which have been so helpful just in my work life to really settle down and get things done. I even have picked up the Balance Drops for my oldest daughter, Daisy, who is fully in blossoming womanhood. It struggles with finding balance in those times. And so those have been great. I love them. They're such a safe and gentle way to support your nervous system and just kind of your overall health. The other thing that I still love, you guys, this is so dorky, but on episode 96, where Kelly and I talked about our spiritual crisis, I happened to mention that my awesome of the week that week was the Harry Potter ASMR playlist on on YouTube. That is dorky. It's so dorky. It's the dorkiest thing I've probably ever talked about on Sorta Awesome. Maybe one of the dorkiest things in my life. I don't even care. I love it. I love to turn it on. It's so peaceful and relaxing. I love the Hogwarts Library one. And also there's one that's the burrow, like the Weasley's home. That is just so cozy. There's like a fire crackling. There's You can hear kids and people coming in and out of the house. And oh my gosh, I don't care. It's I'm so dumb, but I love it. I'm appalled that you are talking about this twice on the show. <laughs> 
was bad enough the first time, and here you are doing it again. I don't understand. I know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I fully support, even though I don't really get ASMR, the whole Harry Potter thing for people who love Harry Potter. Listen, it is a big deal. You guys, did you know that there was a thing at Target this year? It was called 12 Days of Socks. It was a little like stocking stuffer sort of gift for women. and It had 12 days of Harry Potter themed socks, like an advent calendar. Those babies sold out. They are selling for more than $100 on eBay. And I talked to several people at Target, and they were like, obviously, corporate underestimated the fact that Harry Potter nerds are strong in their love of Harry Potter. They're probably like, oh, that movie came out a few years ago. I bet a few people still like it. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, listen. A Harry Potter advent calendar makes so much more sense to me than like hanging out and pretending you're in the Weasley's home. No, 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 no. (laughs) I just want to clarify. Not for nerds. It's not so much about pretending that I'm there. (laughs) Although maybe a little bit. (laughs) See? You're going to clarify this and it's not going to help your cause. I'm telling you, it's It's, not. (laughs) It's truly just nice ambient background noise. Like I don't watch it. I don't just sit there and watch the screen. I just have it on in the background. Like as I'm working and I'm like maybe replying to emails or Whatever. It's just on in the background. It's very soothing for a certain kind of person, apparently. Maybe just me. I don't know. It's very soothing to have in the background. (laughs) So that's that. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) Everybody's like, I'm afraid to say anything else. She's like, (laughs) Osseo-Dortum. We prefer to call it fandom. Thank you, Kelly. (laughs) Yes, right. That's well, hey, I just totally embrace the dorkness. So I hear you. Okay, don't forget that every single Friday, we do open up the floor to all of you awesomes in our hangout group on Facebook. And yes, this Friday, we are going to be asking you what has been your awesome of the year. So if you are not part of our hangout community, but you would like to be you can find us on facebook.com slash group slash sort of awesome hangout. Okay, Awesomes, raise your hand if 2018 is the year you are going to tie the knot and plan a wedding. If wedding bells are in your very near future, you have got to check out our sponsor for this episode, Zola. Zola is reinventing the wedding registry and planning process to make the happiest moment in couples' lives even happier. First of all, it's totally free to create an account at Zola. I've been playing around there and I'm sort of jealous of everything that you can do. They've made the site really easy to navigate and you'll see right away that Zola has everything that you love about creating a registry at your local department store, including over 500 top brands. And you can also register for things like your honeymoon fund or even things like fitness classes or wine subscriptions. And you guys, there's so much more. Zola also has a group gifting feature. It lets multiple guests contribute to your big ticket gifts. You can personalize your registry with photos and notes for your guests about why you're coveting certain items on your gift list. And because Zola totally understands the lives of couples today, they've created a top-rated app for iPhone and Android so couples can manage their registries on the go. It is the season when lots of people will be popping the questions. So if you or someone you know is getting married soon, you have to send them over to check out Zola. In fact, Awesomes, when you sign up at Zola, you will receive a $50 credit toward your registry when you go to Zola.com slash awesome. That's Zola, Z-O-L-A.com slash awesome for $50 towards your registry. Thank you, Zola. 
right, 2017, it's been quite a year. There's been some not awesome things that have happened, but today we are focusing all on the awesome things that we have loved from our culture and from our lives this year. Kelly, we're going to start by talking about what have been the most awesome things that we've been listening to in 2017. So I can't wait to hear what your favorites from 2017 were for listening. Okay, well, I listened to a lot of things, but I really went with what thing did I start listening to this year that, again, is really going to leave a mark lasting on my life. It's not just a good album or a song or a Pandora station. It is going to be two podcasts that I have listened to almost every morning the entire year that they have put out a new podcast. And it is the New York Times, the Daily and NPR's Up First. They are two podcasts. I actually talked about them back on episode 99 that just do a forecast of what's going to be in the news that day. Although I will say that's really up first is really more headline based. And I think the daily, while it's headline based, tends to go a little bit deeper. They'll tell some different stories. They'll do some deep dives. But I have really grown to love these two shows. Now, obviously, disclaimer, I'm a news nerd. Journalism is in my background. So of course, this is the sort of thing I'm going to want to listen to. I'm still listening to the news in the morning if I have that opportunity. But these two podcasts give the news and present issues in such a compelling way to me, because it isn't just the news, it is bringing in experts, oftentimes reporters, and they're really talking in a very casual sort of way, as real people, almost, to say, wow, how did that happen? How did you feel when you heard that explosion happen outside your window? So you're getting a humane take, I guess, on the stories that you're going to hear about that day. And I really have enjoyed that, especially coming from someone who used to work in a newsroom. I feel like this is a little bit of like being in the newsroom. When the reporters would come back, this isn't just the facts of what happened. It's also their reaction to the facts of what happened or that thing that really struck them that they couldn't maybe include in their one minute story. So I have really, really, I can't say this enough, loved these two podcasts. I never miss a day or I will go back and listen, even though you know, they might be saying, here's the news you're going to need to know today. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm three days into the future. It doesn't matter. They're really great summations. So New York Times, The Daily and NPR's Up First. That's what I listened to in 2017. I feel like my day hasn't even started until I hear that theme music to The Daily. Like I turn it on as soon as my kids jump on the bus and I'm like, okay, here we go with that music. Yeah. Right. It's not like I get up and listen to it 30 seconds after I'm out of bed. I mean, I have a whole morning routine of getting kids up and breakfast made and lunches and packed. It's like a two hour thing for me since I have kids that go at different times. It's after that. And that's when it goes, okay, now I'm starting my day. Exactly. Yeah. This has been the year of the news podcast. So it can be a little overwhelming to know Mm -hmm. even if I wanted to listen to it, where do I even start? So thank you for highlighting those again for us. So good. Okay, Rebecca, what's been best in listening for the past year for you? Well, this is going to be quite the contrast to Kelly's, but it is so Rebecca. You guys are just all going to roll your eyes. There was a new podcast that came out by Reality Steve this year. Reality Mm -hmm. Steve is notorious for being a spoiler of the Bachelor franchise. (laughs) Oh, really? Ooh, tell me more. I don't know anything about this, but I love a good intentional spoiler. Well, so he has this website, realitysteve.com, and on it, he literally spoils all of the Bachelor franchise shows. So he already knows, <laughs> like, the final four for this upcoming season with Ari of The Bachelor, which has not started airing and won't start airing until January. 
I don't like spoilers. I want to try to figure out on my own who gets picked in the end. I want the bliss of not knowing anything. I like the cliffhangers. I like all that. So I don't read his website. But I heard about him having this new podcast. I thought, well, let me check it out. So he interviews past contestants from the Bachelor franchise. And he goes really in-depth on their experiences. Sometimes he'll go even, like, date by date and, like, episode by episode. So what was happening behind the scenes? Did you really have this conflict with this other person? What did you think of the way that you were edited? All of that stuff. I find, you know, really fascinating. It's my downfall is that I am, for some stupid reason, just infatuated (laughs) with the Bachelor franchise. (laughs) This is my Harry Potter ASMR. So, you know, we all have our things. We all have our 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 things. things. I don't have anything like that, P.S. I just want everyone to know. But you do have highly addictive apps on your phone, so. This is your wood puzzle. puzzle. It's my wood puzzle. No, no. I do not think that we should be likening this Harry Potter ASMR thing, whatever, to any of these other things that are normal. (laughs) That are normal. Do go on, Rebecca. So Reality Steve started this podcast back in January of this year, and he has had on some really amazing guests. Now, I have been afraid to listen to some of his podcasts because I thought, well, he's so known. Like, his thing, his bread and butter is spoilers. So am I going to get them? Well, I have to tell you that so far, I have not heard any spoilers on the podcast, except he did just release one recently that said, like, right in the title, Spoilers Final Four Breakdown or something like that. So if you're into the franchise, I just say, listen with caution. Maybe listen to some of his back episodes so that you aren't affected by the current season that's going to be coming out. But two that I would recommend. Episode number 13, he did with Claire Crawley. She was on Juan Pablo season. She came in second. Juan Pablo. Oh, my goodness. Yes. That awful bachelor. And she actually revealed in that interview how she wanted to leave before the final row ceremony, but the producers wouldn't let her go. And she talked about how her whole reaction to it all and how she was so wrapped up in it, in everything. And then in that final moment when he said goodbye to her, it was a very revealing and interesting look. And then Claire goes on to be in Bachelor in Paradise. And so she talks about those episodes. It was a good listen. So that was episode number 13. And then just recently, episode number 52, he did with Olivia Cardini, who was on Ben Higgins' season. She is known as the one with the big mouth. She's in all the memes and all the gifts with her mouth open so wide. And she was kind of portrayed as the villain of that season, but she reveals about her perspective of her relationships on the show with the other women and with the editing. It just was a really different type of scenario than perhaps what America was perceiving at home, which, of course, we know by now and we expect that things are different. But especially in the episode where she danced out of the cake in the talent show. Some of the editing choices that happened in that episode were really interesting. And for any Bachelor franchise fan, I would recommend that one also. So that's number 13 and number 52. Jeff's. No. (laughs) I knew it was coming. I knew it. (laughs) Gift for life. (laughs) The debate lives on. I think that all sounds wonderful. I have no idea what you're talking about on any of that. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know none of you do. There is like complete We're all just like silence. looking at you like you're like uh huh uh huh what this is another like you're like she's known as the one with the big mouth and I'm like aren't they all like I've never watched no, no, no. The Bachelor like, I'm like that's my impression of like, the whole show literally she has a big mouth. My ears did perk up when she said something about dancing naked out of a cake. I was like oh. <laughs> What have I been missing? <laughs> okay. Well, there's at least a small percentage of awesomes who were nodding right along with yes. me and are rushing out to listen yeah. to Reality Steve. And to you, I say you're welcome. Totally. <laughs> yes. Totally true. We have many bachelor and bachelorette loving awesomes in our community, for sure. Okay, Laura, what has been best in listening for you in 2017? Well, while I've been playing Wood Puzzle, I've listened to a lot, a lot of things. <laughs> and there are so many standouts, but the... Two, I think I really like set apart from others are The Turnaround with Jesse Thorne yes. is the first one. It is a interview show interviewing interviewers about interviewing. It is. Yep. It's a total deep dive into it. So Jesse Thorne, as the host, he is talking to like some of America's greatest interviewers like Larry King, Ira Glass, Terry Gross, Katie Couric, like talking to them about how they interview, like what their style is, what their prep is like, if they have go-to questions, you know, their best, their worst, their their career in general. It's so interesting. You're hearing from people who are the top, top, top of their game, and they never get to talk about this thing. Like obviously a lot of these people are very well known, so we might know things about them as people or Whatever, but rarely do you ask them, like, how do you prep for an interview? You know, I'd never heard the types of questions and answers that are happening in these conversations. And for me, who hosts an interview show, smartest person in the room, it was absolutely fascinating to hear, you know, some people don't prep at all because they want to be surprised by the answers. Some people way, way, way over prep so that there are no surprises. You know, everybody just has a different approach or career trajectory or why they ended up in this you know, career in the first place. Like, I just found it to be super, super interesting. Even if you're not, like, extra interested in the interview process, like I am, I think it's just a good listen. It truly is very smart from very smart people. The standout episode of that show, The Turnaround with Jesse Thorne, will always and forever be Jerry Springer. That's what I was going to say. I knew you were going to say that. Oh, boy. You guys, is that episode amazing? It is so good. And if you think you don't have any respect for Jerry Springer because of his very infamous talk show, listen to this episode and you will be like, Jerry Springer is not who we think he is. Exactly. <laughs> he is so yes. smart and so thoughtful and is very, very uber aware of what the Jerry Springer show is and who he is as a person. He is incredibly self-aware and it's fascinating to listen to because you're like, this is not what I was expecting at all. Mm -hmm. And the questions are good and the rapport is good. And so that's a fabulous episode. I also enjoyed the Larry King episode. Anna Sale does a great one. They're all good, really like strong listens. But if you're going to listen to nothing else, go listen to the Jerry Springer episode. Mm -hmm. The other podcast that is a new listen for me, even though it this actually debuted in 2016, is the show Heavyweight. It's put out by Gimlet Media. I'd heard about it sort of vaguely just because, you know, being in podcasting, you know, you hear some of these big shows. And Gimlet obviously makes some very, very high quality shows. 
for whatever reason, I had never listened to Heavyweight until recently. You guys, the show is blowing my mind. It's so good. It's so it's good. good. It's hosted by Jonathan Goldstein. The premise is sort of people. I find this interesting because he kind of starts with his friends. He kind of starts with his own sort of inner circle. Maybe because he knows their stories. Maybe because they're available to him. I don't know. But the premise is sort of if you have something you want to go back in your life and rectify. You know, they're all sort of different angles. Maybe it's with an ex. Maybe it's with, you know, a friend that you broke up with. There's all kinds of different reasons you might want to go back and be like, if I could just get some closure on this situation. And he helps you do that. He helps you contact the person and you travel and see them. I am not a big crier around art. Now, I actually cry a ton in my regular life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm not going to say I'm not a crier. Like, I'm a total crier. I cry all the time. For whatever reason... All different kinds of art. Like I don't cry very often at movies or I don't like to cry at all at TV or like even books, which I read a lot. I just, that, I don't know. That's not my response system. Heavyweight has made me cry multiple times. It's so good, but not in an obvious like this is us, tear at your heartstrings, manipulation way, but more just like, oh my gosh, this is like the human condition. Human. So human. It's so it human. Is. And I started listening to it, and after every episode, I was texting Megan, like, and then this episode. I'm sorry, I won't text you every episode. Okay, but wait, but this episode. (laughs) So I was like, I think I'm going to text you after every episode. I just have to. (laughs) Also, they run on the shorter side. They're like 35 to 45 Mm -hmm. minutes. They're not super long, which, I, you know, that's my favorite time frame. So anyway, those are the best. Heavyweight was an awesome of the week for me when it first came out. I've continued to listen and love it. If you want just to pick a one-off a very recent one that came out is the jesse episode it's in season two and with heavyweight it's very like encapsulated yeah they're standalone there's no yeah they're totally standalone there's no overarching arc that you need to follow you could pick up the jesse episode it's one of the best pieces of audio from 2017 i think so good heavyweight from gimlet excellent excellent okay i had a feeling that you all were all going to talk about podcasts. We as a team often talk about podcasts just in side conversations. So I had a feeling that might be the case. So I'm going to talk a little bit about music. We do talk about podcasts and what we're listening to a lot on the show, but you guys haven't hardly talked about music at all this year, just a little bit. It's still a very, very, very important part of my, the background of my days when I'm not listening to Harry Potter ASMR. <laughs> but I think that three really important albums came out this year, and they are all from Young Women Musicians. Kesha's Rainbow, Lord's Melodrama, and Julia Michaels' Nervous System are three albums that came out in 2017 that I think are fantastic, and I don't feel like enough people are talking about them. All three of these women are sort of like in their 20s and 30s. In fact, Lord is only 21, Julia Michaels is 24, and Kesha turned 30 this year. And in each of these albums that came out, you really hear that thing of when you're navigating that transition from adolescence to being a young woman from being a teenage girl into adulthood and how you have to go through in your 20s really this big mental shift because you go from being contextualized and experienced by other people just being like a silly teenage girl to suddenly you're a full-grown woman and I think in your 20s is when you really begin to understand both the terribleness and wonderfulness how wonderful it is to be a woman especially in 2017 I think these albums are so reflective of that you do get a little bit, there's a little bit of a difference in maturity from Lord's album. Again, she's just 
21 and she wrote a lot of the album when she was 20 and then Kesha's kind of on the other end of that spectrum. But you hear this thing of like, these are women who grew up with strong messaging that they are strong and they are tough and they are capable. And I think that a through line for all three of these albums is like that feeling, that very universal thing in your 20s when you're like, wow, I mean, I think I'm strong. I think I'm tough, but this is all so much harder than I thought it was going to be. And not in a whiny way, like adulting is hard kind of way. It's not that thing at all. Just like really experiencing and embracing what it means to own your womanhood. And so as a mom of two daughters who very listen to pop music a lot, I'm always very conscious of the messaging of pop music, and it's usually not great for young women. And not all of these songs are totally appropriate for girls my age, but I just think it's so important to have solid, approachable pop music that is also, I mean, it will take you back to that place of being in your 20s and kind of figuring out who you are. So again, Kesha's Rainbow, Julia Michaels' Nervous System, and Lord's Melodrama albums all came out this year, and they are fantastic. Okay, let's move on and talk about best in reading. I know that we all have spent a lot of time with pages this year. Kelly, how about you? What's been best of 2017 for reading for you? Well, I wish I knew. I don't keep track of the books that I read, you guys. (laughs) This is what happened, is that this is the year I realized I am reading a lot, and a lot of it is very transformative to me, and yet I don't have a record of what I'm reading. So I've got to get back into Goodreads. I do have an account. I don't use it because I don't really... I'm not looking for recommendations that much. I'm not going to be putting a review. I just need a place to track. I mean, obviously, I could do it in my notes. So I will tell you this because I feel like I have a theme with my year-end selections here. They're all very deep. Okay, good. Bring it on. (laughs) I do have something that's more lighthearted. But really, when I looked back at this year and thought, what were the books that will make that lasting impact on me? I thought about two authors that I've been reading voraciously, almost everything that I can get my hands on that they've written. One isn't even alive anymore, Madeline L'Engle. Okay, so this last Christmas, a year ago, I got my daughter the five-book series of A Wrinkle in Time. So I don't think I'd ever read all of them. I think I had read three or something like that. It had been years since I had read them at all. So I, like, she didn't have time to read them at that point, so I took them and read them at the beginning of last year, and that was when I fell into the rabbit hole of Madeline L'Engle. Her writing is so good, I really feel like It is only now in my mid-40s that I could really start to wrap my brain around some of the concepts and the things that she was talking about, some of the undergirding principles of her writing and the way she treats people. And of course, if you have been on the internet at all, you know that A Wrinkle in Time is being made into a movie to come out March 9th of 2018. I am equal parts terrified and giddy. I see the previews and I want to ball and like cheer at the same time. I'm so excited what they're doing with the vision of this book and really modernizing it and telling that story. I'm really excited. But I also read some of her nonfiction that she's written. She was a voracious writer as well. So she wrote probably the one that I think of the most is called Two-Part Invention, The Story of a Marriage. And it's really the story of her marriage. So she was in New York City in the 50s. She was an actress. She was a working woman. So it's the story of her meeting her husband, who was an actor, how they married, they moved out to Vermont, like their story. And then the second half of it is him being diagnosed with cancer. And so his decline and how she walked that path. And it's a beautiful story. It's so real and raw. And she doesn't flinch from hard things, but she also just paints it all with a veneer of hope that she had. And the other author, theologian, is Richard Rohr, Father Richard Rohr. 
I should say, he is a influential leader in so many Christian circles. A few books that I've read of his, Immortal Diamond, Silent Compassion, Falling Upward was the first book that I read of his. It has talking about the second half of your life. I really think his writings, his view on life have influenced me more than any other person in 2017 because it's helped to just expand me. And as you know, Meg, you mentioned episode 26, where we talked about our faith shifts. As I've continued to shift this year, it's been Richard Rohr's thought process, his writings. I get a daily meditation from his center that has really informed how my faith is growing and shifting. So those are the two that are kind of deep. The last one that I wanted to mention is actually also you, Meg. You have talked about your love for Rainbow Rowell. Mm-hmm. And I have also become a huge fan of Rainbow Rowell. So this year, I completed, she hasn't written that many books, but I read the last few that I had not yet read. And I ended with Attachments, which was actually her first yep. book. It came out in 2011. So it was kind of funny. I think I worked my way backwards uh-huh. yes. through her bibliocon. <laughs> But it was, I think Attachments is probably my favorite book that I read of hers. It was a completely endearing story. I fell in love with the characters. Her writing is so witty and modern and real. She's just a very, very good YA author that I don't think you have to be a young person to appreciate. She really helps you, like you were just saying with the music, remember what it was like to be that age and how life plays itself out. So. I thoroughly enjoyed Attachments. I was so sad when it was done. I hope that she comes out with more books soon. You know, I can never say enough good words about Rainbow Rowell. I adore her. I still haven't read Landline. That's the only one I haven't read. And I'm just like, I can't because then I'll be done. But she does have, you know, new stuff coming out. Maybe I'll get to Landline eventually. But I loved Attachments too. I'm so happy that you loved it. So good stuff. All right, Rebecca, best in reading in 2017 from you. I am taking a very different turn with this than I have in previous episodes or previous years. So my favorite read for 2017 was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Raul Dahl, the classic children's book. Yes. So this has a lot of sentimental value to me. First of all, Raul Dahl was my all-time favorite author when I was young. I asked for all of the books for Christmas, for my birthdays. So I have like his complete collection. And I have been waiting until my children were old enough that I could start sharing those books with them. And it was very soon after Isaac was born, I had this fear, you know, in my pregnancy of, uh, are my children going to feel appreciated? Am I going to have enough time to invest in Grace and in Noah as the individuals that they are with the new baby? Is there going to be, you know, there's always growing pains when you add like a new member to the family, but how painful is it going to be? Are they going to know how dearly they are loved and still so special to me? And when Isaac was still just a little newborn, I was like, okay, let's read this together. So I started reading Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to Grace and Noah. And you guys, the joy, the complete delight and excitement on Grace's face when Charlie found the golden ticket and was a winner in the big contest and was able to go to the factory. I mean, she like squealed with delight. And it just brought back all these memories for me of my own childhood and enjoying these books. And just, you know, the cheerleader that I am for reading and good literature and good children's literature. And I was like, yes, this is why... This is why you should be reading books. This is the joy that you can experience in 
transforming yourself into the story of the characters that you are reading. And it was just a delight, you guys. She was so excited. And that really just warmed my mama heart, especially at this time when our family was in the midst of this big transition. I was like, okay, I got this. We can do this. And it was a real joy to share that with her and Noah. And then later this year, we read James and the Giant Peach together. And again, just like so much excitement from them. It was a lot of fun. So, you know, although I read some good books that were, you know, targeted to my demographic, (laughs) this is the one that really just, it just meant the most to me this year. So it was a joy. Great. It's such a great part of parenting, especially if you are an enthusiastic reader, is seeing that love come alive in the eyes of your children. So great. Okay, Laura, you are a resident avid reader around here. So I'm super interested to hear what was best in reading for you this year. Well, I have tons and tons of thoughts on this subject as usual. In fact, I already did a full end of the year book show episode over on Smartest Person in the Room. But what I wanted to point out here is that I was introduced to author Elizabeth Strout this year, which is kind of dumb on my end because she's a Pulitzer Prize winner, a New York Times bestseller, so clearly I'm the one who's behind the times. But she's most well known for Olive Kittredge, which ended up being a movie on HBO, a miniseries. But I read, in January, I read her book, My Name is Lucy Barton, and absolutely loved it, could not believe how good it was. And why I hadn't read her before, even though her books are very popular. Loved, loved, loved My Name is Lucy Barton. And so this summer, I picked up her follow-up that came out this year called Anything is Possible. It's a loose follow-up. It's not a direct sequel, but it has some of the same overlapping characters from Lucy Barton. I love Elizabeth Strout's writing. It is very sparse and very small-town focused, which is something I always gravitate towards. And she's just a really, really good writer. I want to read everything that she's written. And I really feel like Awesomes would enjoy her as well. She's a good storyteller, but also without, you know, her books are simple in a way that there's not like four subplots and a big, you know, a whole big narrative. Anything Impossible, in fact, is almost more like little vignettes that sort of come together in a way. But it's just, they're simple stories, but that are complex in characters and complex in relationships, but there's not like, you know, a lot of action happening. I just love her. So Elizabeth Strout, that's my big highlight for authors in reading this year. Okay. Well, my best in reading is one that you did talk about on that episode of Smartest Person in the Room about books and reading from 2017. You guys, it's one of the best books that maybe I've read in in my life. I mean, truly like top five best well-written books. It's Sing, Unburied Sing by Jessamyn Ward. This is a book that was a book of the month club selection actually earlier this fall. I almost don't even know where to start. The last time I was this completely wrecked by a book was way back in college when I read Toni Morrison's novel Beloved. And that was 20 years ago. Sing, Unburied Sing is one of the most stunning pieces of writing that I genuinely have ever read. Just as an overview of the book, if you're not familiar with Sing, Unburied Sing, um, it takes place in rural Mississippi. It's narrated by both um, a 13-year-old boy named Jojo and his mother, Leone. Leone is a drug drug addict who is sort of in and out of their lives. Uh, her son, Jojo, and his three-year-old little sister, Kayla, live with their grandparents, um, Leone's parents, who are Black. Jojo and Kayla's father is white. He had been in prison. He is released from prison. And so Leonie takes her kids on a road trip of sorts to um, to go to where their father is being released from prison. 
that's sort of the narrative structure of it. This book is brutal. It is grisly in parts. It's painful, which I know this is like, wow, this is not really selling this book. But it is so beautifully written. I could just cry just thinking about how gorgeous it is. There are so many stories. There's so much layer interwoven. This is, you know, being called, you know, a great Southern Gothic novel. Um, it references, you know, it kind of finds its roots not only in Toni Morrison, but also in William Faulkner. Um, I feel like it's even Shakespearean in some of the plot points. It re- it deals with race, of course. It deals with poverty. It deals with grief. Like, grief is such an overarching thing. And um, the idea of ghosts, both figurative and literal, I... I cannot, I almost like don't even know what to say, except that if there is one book that you pick up this year to read that will both challenge you and you will just be blown away by what what a human is capable of, even a story they're capable of creating and writing, you have to read Sing Unburied Sing it's it's a difficult read for me and that family drama stuff is it's hard for me it challenges me and i it makes me a little uncomfortable and there's definitely because of the context of this book it's a little bit i mean it is it's hard to read in places but oh my gosh what an important read the way that Jessman Ward handles these characters who you would make quickly make such snap judgments about the way she handles them with such grace and care in telling their stories it's just like it's unlike anything i've read in, in recent years. So I just can't say enough. You just have to read it. It's so good. It's the best book of the year, I in my opinion. And it won the National Book Award. So like, we're not the only ones yeah. who think that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the last category, let's go back and review 2017. The things that we loved watching, whether they were movies or TV shows that are currently in production, or maybe you're just now catching up on some things from the past that you're stream- streaming them. Let's talk best in watching in 2017. Laura, what was best in watching for you this year? Okay, honestly, I'm not a huge watcher (laughs) in general. That's just not like my huge thing. I always end up watching the Oscar-nominated movies because they come to our house and that's part of my husband's industry and that's part of our life. But I don't spend my evenings doing a lot of watching, so this one's a little bit hard for me. A few things, though, that I do want to mention – for me, hands down, the biggest thing that I watched this year it was The Handmaid's Tale that was made for yes. Hulu. It was absolutely excellently done. I loved the book, so I was a little bit nervous about the portrayal of, you know, translating to the small screen. I thought it was wonderful. We did a whole extra awesome about that back in August if you want to seek that out, but I just thought that was amazing. Two other things to note – I really enjoyed The Defiant Ones, which was a four-part documentary series on HBO about Jimmy Iovine, the head of Apple Music, and Dr. Dre, and their um, ultimate partnership and how they created Beats by Dre, which are headphones. But there's so much more to their relational story just as businessmen and as humans and then their partnership. It was just super, super very interesting if you're just like, oh, how does like – how do brilliant minds (laughs) execute these brilliant ideas? Um, and then also tied into that, my husband got really into uh, another documentary miniseries, this one on Netflix called Hip Hop Evolution. My husband's really into hip hop and rap. He always has been like since its inception in the like 70s. 
Um, and so I wasn't, I didn't think I was as interested in that topic, but then when I watched along with it, I was like, oh, this is like truly fascinating with how much this genre of music has influenced pop culture and art and continues to and, and politics and all kinds of things. And that one was super, super interesting. Even if you think you, you aren't into that, give it a try. There's a really a lot there that probably you don't even know how far reaching the hip hop rap genre is. So those are my two, those are my three things that I really loved watching this year. Kelly, what were you watching in 2017 that you really loved? Well, a little bit like Laura, I don't watch that much. So I feel like my answers to this are always a little lame because I will tell you really what I've been watching in 2017 is this sitcom called 30 Rock. (laughs) I'm familiar. (laughs) I think a few people have heard of it. But it's all new to me. I'm like a decade behind in TV watching. Was it at this time last year that you were like, you guys, I really loved Parks and Rec. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That would be me. Yeah. So you guys know this is what you get when you get Kelly, when you ask her what she's been watching. It's like always a show that everybody else has watched and has already made podcasts about and not just discovering. I'm like, you guys, so funny. Okay, but Kelly, I haven't watched it. Like, I've seen it, like, just, like, scrolling through TV, and I've stopped on it for a moment. So sell it to me, okay? Because I'm I'm your perfect audience for this. I don't know what I'm missing. Okay, so it's Tina Fey and Alec Baldwin, and I knew that about it. And they are fictional characters working at 30 Rock, which is 30 Rockefeller, the home of NBC, which, just for the record, I used to get a paycheck from Jack Welch. You know, like, I worked at NBC, obviously not in New York City, but... So they, Tina Fey is making her name on the show as Liz Lemon, and she is the producer of a Saturday Night Live-esque sort of reality live taped show, comedy show. So then it's all of the antics that go on, you know, in the building, with the cast, um, with management, whom Alec Baldwin plays a guy who's in management. So it has been so much fun. There's so much, um, you know, TV sort of humor in it. Um, of course, the cast is amazing. And really, when I told my husband that I'm so into the show and I'm like, it's Alec Baldwin and he's so funny. And he just looked at me like, Alec Baldwin's still around? And I'm like, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> like, he's so good in the show. I think this is probably what kind of brought him back as a serious actor. Okay, I've wait, what are we talking about? I've gone down a rabbit trail talking about a show that's like a decade old, you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> because while that is what I've been watching this year, I will give this small shout out to one other thing that's very maybe unexpected. But really what I've been watching this year is a YouTube channel that turned into an app for me. Um, it's Yoga with Adrian. Oh, Yes. Which many of our awesomes know, um, and we actually even have a spinoff group for sort of yogis. But Adrienne does yoga that you can do at home online. If you just subscribe to her YouTube channel, you can do it for free. I actually ended up, you know, buying a subscription to her app, which has even more shows that you can have and then download. So what I would do this summer is I would download episodes of yoga that I wanted to do if we were going away, um, if I wasn't sure what our internet connection capabilities would be. So it gave me the ability to do that. Anyway, I have really, really, really fallen in love with yoga this year. And it is 99% attributable to Yoga with Adrian. So her program is called Find What Feels Good. And of course, you can find it on YouTube. Excellent. Okay, Rebecca, how about you? What have you been watching 2017 that stood out for you? Okay, so you guys know how much I love a good binge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there is something wrong with me. I feel like my binger is broken like I have not had a good 2017 binge I I need some 
I need some drastic help. So yeah, my binger is broken. (laughs) (laughs) It's like okay, yeah, that works. (laughs) So my favorite watch actually is Instagram stories. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, I have fallen in love with Instagram stories. So they are, you know, the Snapchat version. On Instagram, up for 24 hours. It's those little icons at the top of your screen. I know there's lots of you Instagram users who have not explored up there. I know you're not hitting play, but I'm telling you guys, there are some real gems up there. And you can mute the stories that you don't like because there's lots of them that are big duds. So here's just a little tip for you. Hold your finger on the person's icon that you don't want to see their stories anymore. And a little notification will pop up that says mute story. And then you, you don't have to waste your time with stuff that's not good because, you guys, there's lots of good stuff and it's worth checking out. So here are some of my favorites. First one, an awesome Kate from Venison for Dinner. You can find her at Venison for Dinner. Her life is so different from mine in all these fabulous ways. It's so much fun to watch. She lives in northern Canada. She's a homeschooling mom. She really is passionate about real real food. Her husband hunts for most of their meat, and she's always talking about just life with kids and living in kind of this remote area, and there's always snow, like... Like, all the time there's snow because it's so cold there. And it's just a fascinating look into somebody else's life. And then I really love Erin H. Moon. Yeah, She is a member of the PopCast team. And her stories are hysterical. She always is talking about, like, everyday things that are kind of just crazy. (laughs) One of her favorite stories, and again, you can't go back and watch because they're only for 24 hours, but she was talking about Red Ribbon Week and us teaching our children to say no to drugs, but she was going through the themes for each day and breaking them down. It was (laughs) like, you guys, there is no statistical data that supports that this is actually preventing our kids from trying drugs. Instead, they're just wearing weird socks. She's hysterical. You can find her at Erin H. Moon on Instagram. I really love Kendra from The Lazy Genius. Again, she's also pretty funny. She's very endearing. She gives really practical tips. Her tagline is be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. And you guys, she was like made for me. That's like that's like my life motto. That's perfect. I love that so much. Also really love another awesome Stacy from Humorous Homemaking. You can find her at Humus Homemaking on Instagram. She does a lot of the a lot of mom confessions. Like she'll get on the camera and she'll say, "Please tell me I am not the only one." And then she rattles off something funny that her kids just did, or talks about one of the woes of motherhood, but not in a depressing, "Oh, why did we ever choose to have children?" type of way, but just in a guys. You just got to laugh, right? Like, surely I'm not the only yeah. one. She's very relatable. So those are four of my favorites from Instagram stories. I'm just loving it this year. It's so fun. There's some really good ones. Erin Moon is one of my favorite people. I just adore her. And her stories are so funny. 
So my son, who's 14 years old, if he hears her voice when I'm watching Instagram stories, will come over and watch over yes, my shoulder. Yes, totally. There is no higher praise than the fact that you have attracted a 14 year old boy to your humor. Although maybe that's not such a good thing, but he really likes her stories. They're so funny. They are. We all agree. Yeah, she's talented. Sort of awesome stamp of approval. Definitely. Okay, well, my favorites in watching are things that I've actually already talked about quite a bit for our extra awesome series. One of them was ended up being Game of Thrones season seven. Laura and I back in the summer did a Game of Thrones extra awesome. This was in anticipation of season seven coming out. And uh, it was highly satisfying. I feel like it brought a culmination of a lot of different plot lines that Fans had been waiting for the pacing was a lot faster than in the past seasons. And I thought it was really fantastically well done. So you can go back and listen to that extra awesome if you have not already to hear some of our thoughts on Game of Thrones in general. The other one, you guys, it's Stranger Things. I love this show so much that I actually went back. So Nish Wyseth came on the show. We recently did an extra awesome just to talk about Stranger Things season two. After that extra awesome, I was like, I miss Stranger Things so much. I went back and started watching it from the beginning in season one. I have to say, that is the way to watch it. To watch it continuously from season one all the way through season two, you will pick up on so many little details that I had forgotten because, you know, like a year had gone by since I had finished season one and I did not rewatch season one before we watched season two. And the writing is so brilliant. The character development is so fun. I cannot say enough things about how much I love Stranger Things. Rebecca, have you watched this? Because if you haven't, haven't, this will fix it. Will fix your binger. I promise. <laughs> okay, here's my thing: is that I don't like anything that might potentially spook me out, and I just have that fear that this is gonna. It's, okay, I I don't like that. Here's okay. I think that people have different fears about different things. Like, I cannot let my daughters watch anything that's ghostly, they just cannot handle it. The scariness in Stranger Things has to do with a creature from a different dimension. It's so, so, so fictionalized. It's even more like it's not even like alien level of realism, which some people might think are real, some might not. But this is like so fictional and so over the top. Like, this is a this is a scary guy, it's not realistic in any way. So there's that. I don't know. I think you should watch it. Give it a try. It's so good and so bingeable. I have this bad habit of binging things on my phone in bed at night, which maybe is not like the best context (laughs) for something that potentially could creep me out. I need to start binging like in broad daylight. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great quotable for Rebecca. So that was best in watching for me for 2017. Okay, so Laura, as you think back, what stood out to you as some of your favorite moments or favorite episodes of Sword Awesome? Well, I mean, I just feel like there are so many moments this year. <laughs> I don't know how to make my text stop. I've turned off my phone. I've turned off my messages. Like, it just keeps, they just keep coming. I don't know what to do. Um I know that not everybody got to listen to this, but uh, the biggest highlight on this show for me the whole entire year, like hands down, there's just no comparison, was the unedited version of the gift guide that went out to the Patreon supporters. I have never 
in over two and a half years of doing this show, have I ever laughed that hard? I <laughs> I was like fall on the floor. I could not pull it together. Just the funniest moments. Still, I giggle about it just if it comes up in the middle of my day. It is my favorite, my favorite moment of us as a foursome, as a group was doing that. And it was so unexpected. Yes, ma'am. I came into that. It was so (laughs) unexpected. At one point, Megan says, all I wanted to do was create a wholesome (laughs) gift guide episode. (laughs) Laura, this is on my list. This was one of my highlights, too, that I was totally going to talk about today. It was unbelievable. You can say more about it because that's actually not – I feel like it's a little bit unfair to make that one for the whole end of the year because not everyone got to hear it. I want supporters to go listen to it if you aren't a supporter. It is worth becoming a supporter just to go listen (laughs) to that gift guide unedited episode. But uh, there's obviously a few other moments from the year that – you know, make it into my list of favorites. I really enjoyed and loved the messaging behind the truth of anxiety shows. Part two was a second part to the original truth about anxiety episode. The second part one was episode 101. It aired back in May. Megan and I are going a little bit more deep dive into our anxiety and some of our coping mechanisms. I really appreciate those episodes that we do just for my own process and for listeners who might be struggling with the same thing. And then also, this is kind of a curveball, but I really loved doing the S-Town Extra Awesome. Oh, I did too. That was so fun to do. It was so fun. S-Town, of course, was a podcast series that came out in the spring and uh, is one of the very best things I've ever listened to on audio ever. Loved it. And Megan and I did a full hour of breakdown. I don't want to call it analysis. It was more like just weeping out Mm -hmm. all of our feelings. Yes. All of our Mm -hmm. big feelings. And it was one of the first times that we had done an episode on this show that was like that, that was like sort of unstructured and just like reacting to this this piece of art type of thing. And I really enjoyed that format and that podcast and our episode about that podcast. So that was an extra awesome. So it doesn't have an episode number, but it aired back in April after episode 94. That's right. Oh, I love that one too. That was so fun. And okay, so Kelly, let's hear from you. What were some of your favorite moments from Sort of Awesome in 2017? Well, I would say that I had many favorite shows. Um, I think that we're probably going to overlap a lot. So I'm going to say this show, but I bet everybody's going to raise their hand and say, oh, me too. My very favorite show that we did this year was um, the show where we had Leanne Gardner talk about how to talk to your kids about sex. Mm -hmm. Leaning into the squirm is the... Leaning into the squirm. Was it episode 99, I think? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Fantastic episode. Um, I happen to be the co-host on it, but really Leanne does the talking. So if you haven't heard that episode, if you haven't recommended that episode, I really can't recommend it enough. I think that's probably the one that I have handed to my friends to listen to the most. So one of the shows that we did a long time ago that I kind of forgot about, but I really loved was Penelope Loves Liss. Yes. If you guys remember that, it was all about organizing and I think probably perfect, actually, if you didn't listen to it in 2017, listen to it at the begin of, beginning of 2018, because it really was one of those shows about just kind of embracing if you are a person who is naturally organized, how you can embrace that. And if you're not, like some small steps that you can do. It was a really practical show. And then the other show that I just personally, it's kind of my hot seat topic right now, is the show that we just did this fall, Meg, on sleep. Um, 
I listened just this month to a radio talk show where they actually interviewed a couple of experts on sleep. And I was like, yeah, this is all the stuff that we just said. So that is, I think that was actually sort of awesome Mm. for me. Good. Good stuff. Okay, Rebecca, how about you? Favorite moments from Sorta Awesome in 2017? Well, like Laura mentioned, I really, really loved the unedited gift guide that came out. (laughs) I'm not kidding, you guys. I have gone back and re-listened to some of my favorite parts of that multiple times. Multiple times where I'm like, I just I just want to hear just like I just want to hear it again just one more time. Well, it's definitely like if you're the kind of person that really gets tickled just by hearing other people laugh, it's a great one for that. Like if you're just having a down day and you just kind of need to turn it around and laugh with some friends. It's really, I mean, it's some good gift recommendations, but that part was really great. There are some darn good gift recommendations in there. That's that's the truth. And then just to close it out, I'll just say hashtag area rug. And then, you know, those (laughs) that Hashtag grape nuts. Those that don't know. So I also really did love episode 99, Leaning Into the Squirm, that Kelly touched on, talking to our kids about sex. As a parent who has kids who are freshly starting to ask questions, it was so both liberating and convicting. I felt empowered and also um, maybe the burden of getting it just right was lifted. It was really a very powerful episode. And anyone with children in their lives needs to listen to that one. And then I really loved, (laughs) I really loved episode 117, Starbucks Spotlights and What About Those College Degrees. Meg and I talked about some of our past work history, and I am telling you guys, it is impossible for me to describe this episode without it sounding boring. Right? Yes. Where we we talked about our past jobs, but it wasn't. I was so fascinated to be able to kind of like dive deep with Meg on some of the past work experience that she's had and life lessons that we've learned along the way. And then again... Not to like be all exclusive about it, but we released a extra episode just to the sorta awesome supporters that was titled Cringeworthy Climaxes. And that was one of my favorite episodes that we did for our supporters. I revealed things in that episode that I was not planning on talking about at all. <laughs> Yep. And you just really you just need to hear it because I can't I can't just spoil it. You just need to hear it. So, again, if any of this talk about these extra episodes is triggering for somebody that they're like, okay, I have been waiting. I finally am going to take the plunge. You can go to SortaAwesomeShow.com slash support to learn how to get access to cringeworthy climaxes and the unedited gift guide. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, you guys, this is so hard for me. It's like picking amongst all of my children to pick a favorite. We did some really incredible episodes on Sorta Awesome this year. You guys, I loved having Kyle come on. My husband, he was on the show not just once, but twice. He came on and talked about uh, how to dress a man, which I hope was helpful for people. And then when we had Tony Blauer come on and talk about uh, protection and safety issues, Uh, Kyle sat in on that interview with me. So that was really fun. More than anything, I am so proud of and really on a personal level, deeply enjoyed the Extra Awesome series this year. We really took it in some new directions, really discussing and dissecting um, lots of pop culture things. Uh, Laura and I did a lot of those, but bringing in 
my friend Sarah Bessie and Nish Wyseth, and even the one like we did with Dr. Mary Yamashita, who came to talk to us about uh, screening for breast cancer. Like, I just feel like those have been so fulfilling and so um, inspiring, even for me, as I'm sitting behind the mic. I've had so much fun with those this year. So that's been really fun. Okay, so for any of y'all who are not maybe fully caught up on Sorta Awesome, just a note to let you know, this is our last regular episode featuring Laura as part of our, you know, big group of Sorta Awesome team here together. And so we talked about on episode 123, if you haven't listened yet, that um, Laura knows that it's time for her to move forward from Sorta Awesome and pursue other projects and um, just shake loose a little time in her life for some other pursuits. And we are so sad for us, but so happy for her that these are things that are on the horizon for her. So, Laura, I wanted to give you just a minute to kind of say farewell for now, although I will hold you to the fact that you're going to be around sometimes for some conversations. But yeah, anything you want to say before we wrap up? Well, it's hard to put into words, even even like in this audio format. It's really hard for me to put into words like what this show has meant to me. Uh, doing it for two and a half years with you guys, with this amazing audience that has been so encouraging. This is the first project like this I've ever done collaboratively, and I could not have asked for better people to work with. Um, it's really been like so special for me as a human to have gone through this process with you and, and with the audience. Like I just have learned, I've learned something on every single episode I have recorded here. I had no idea when I started this that I would still be doing it two and a half years later. We kind of started this whole thing as like an experiment. Mm-hmm. And here we are, you know, more than 100 episodes in and just still still learning so much. And I just – I want to say thank you to you guys for like how grace-filled you've been. I truly – I don't think the audience would – would know this, but in two and a half years of four women working together, we've not had a single fight. Oh, no. Huh. It's true. We've not had – not that we haven't had hard conversations or maybe awkward conversations or we've had to say something kind of itchy, but I am shocked at how well we have been able to, like, work together and create this thing and encourage one another and give all kinds of grace. And I'm just thankful for it. At this season in my life, we started it when my kids were much smaller, not even in school yet. This is the perfect kind of project for me. And so I, I just – I'm grateful to you guys every day for for working with me and also for letting me go in such a lovely and encouraging way. So thank you. Wait, I love you. You're leaving? Just kidding. I'm still a little bit in denial because, Laura Tremaine, you have brought so much to the show. And I don't think that the awesome community, of course, how would you know this? You would not know the hours – literally that we spend every week talking on Voxer about the show, having hard conversations. We can be very honest with each other and accept things with grace. And I've loved that. Laura is often the one who will say, wait a minute, have we thought about it this way? What about this? Did you consider this ramification? And so personally, and I feel like the show, not to have your voice there will be sad, but just in the bigger scheme of things, um, you have brought so much laughter and sparkle to Sort of Awesome. I think it's going to be sad for all of us to see you go, even though I know that just like the entire Awesome community, we are so excited for you to go on and do things that you were really made to do. You have that calling. And I think not even just excited for you, but we admire 
your bravery to say, I'm going to step out here and go do this thing that I don't really know exactly what it's going to be, but I feel called to that. And that's, you know, a, a woman to admire. So we applaud you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Laura, I remember when Meg asked me to join the podcast and she said, okay, and so I have these other friends that are also going to be doing it. I was like, okay, great. Well, I'm going to go check them out. And I remember going to your website. I was like, oh, the Hollywood Housewife. So interesting. (laughs) So glam. And it was in that browsing that I saw about chat books, which I have fallen in love with. You have changed my life dramatically just in that one small area. And... You've changed it in so many other ways, too. I mean, it truly has been an honor to get to know you. I am still furious. I have met none of you. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I feel like I know you all yes. so well. And Laura, you are going to be leaving behind a Laura-shaped hole that just will not be possible to be filled. And it has been an honor, truly, to create with you. So thank, thank you. you. It was so kind. Thank you, guys. Such good words. Also, a lot of people asked and are are wondering, is smartest person in the room going to go on? So, Laura, I'll let you handle that question. Yes. Um, Meg and I make smartest person in the room kind of on our side hours. It's sort of our side hustle, if you will, or more like a passion project. We really love what we're doing over there. But it is, for neither of us, it is, is it our main thing? So, if you've been following along, you know that it kind of moves at a snail's pace. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> smartest person in the room gets made when it gets made. But that's right. <laughs> but we we do love it. We have quite a few series that we're already tiptoeing towards making and, and starting the process on that for 2018. So it will live on. So please go subscribe either in your podcast app or to the newsletter so you know when news ep- when new episodes come out since it is a little bit inconsistent. But smartest person in the room lives on. And you can always find me at lauratremaine.com if you're looking for my social media channels or if you want to sign up for my secret posts, which I will continue to do. Those are emails where I send out recommendations of what I'm reading, things to wear, things to buy. It's a fun little newsletter. You can do all of that at lauratremaine.com or you can find me on Twitter at lauratremaine and on Instagram at lauratremaine. Okay, well, we have lots of opinions, obviously, about the year of 2017. We can't wait to hear what some of your favorites were. If you want to track us down on social media, let's remind everybody where we can find you all around the web. Kelly, how about you? You can find me at Kelly at Lovewell on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook at facebook.com slash lovewellblog. Okay, and Rebecca, how about you? You can find my blog at simplyrebecca.com. And then I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at simplyrebecca. Okay, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show over on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod, and you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. Happy holidays, happy new year, and we will see you again in 2018. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at SortaAwesomeShow.com where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at PragerMusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life Sorta amazingly awesome.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.